Welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, good morning, Canton Church. How's everybody doing today? There's like 17 people that are excited to be here. I'm so glad that you are here, though, today. You could have been at the lake or the pool or the beach, but instead you came to Canton Church, which is awesome. Today, we will be continuing our series on fruitology. I'm pumped that I get the opportunity to share this morning. Every time we're going to set up a series, we'll get together, we'll talk about what the series is going to be, we'll lay out each week what the topics are. So fruitology, we're in the Fruit of the Spirit all series long, all summer long. If you've missed any of the Sundays, make sure you check out the podcast. You can do so at cantonchurch.com. Click listen, and then it gives you the option to go to iTunes or SoundCloud, whatever you prefer. If you're anti-Apple, you're going to always choose SoundCloud. But we would love for you to catch up on the weeks that you're on vacation, that you're not here, because you're going to have already missed one or more than likely will miss one of this series. But we don't want you to miss it because we put it up for you to be able to listen to. But today I will be continuing this series. I think we're like halfway-ish. So we're halfway home. We got the rest of July to finish out the fruit of the Spirit. But the verses that we've been in is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, which are the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, but the fruit, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. There are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, we've already covered love. Pastor Jamie did that several weeks back. Joy, peace, and then Pastor Matt Popham, our children's pastor, did last week. He talked about, which one did he talk about last week? Patience. Um, He talked about patience last week, and so that means that the next one in order is kindness, and so that means that this week is kindness. You know, when we're setting this up, and summers are always just kind of hectic around here with camps and trips and all kinds of different things. So when we were setting this up, and we knew that this is the week that would fall to kindness, and then when we started talking about who could be here and preach what weeks, and this week landed for me to speak, I was like, that just makes sense, because we would choose me to talk about kindness, because I'm the kindest person that you'll ever meet. That's not true whatsoever, actually. My wife is the nicest person that you will ever meet. And I don't just say that. She really is. It's crazy how nice she really, really is. Next week, we're actually going to take a little bit of a detour, and I'm going to be speaking again, but I'm going to be talking about humbleness because I really am the most humble person that you'll ever meet. I'm just kidding as well. Next week, Pastor Jamie will be up here talking about goodness. But today, we are talking about kindness. And when I was just graduated out of high school, going to college, like my freshman-ish year of college, I got a part-time job at Chick-fil-A. And if you've never worked in fast food, it should be a requirement that everybody does it at least once in their life, just for the sole purpose of so you can have the appreciation of not working in fast food after you work in fast food. And so I worked at Chick-fil-A. I did it for about a year-ish. 
And so I worked there, and I always enjoyed working in the mornings versus the evenings. One, I just like my nights open. But two, you know, I was a college guy now, and I was way more mature than all of the high school seniors that had jobs that had to work at night because they went to school during the day. Way more mature, and so I was way too sophisticated to work with them. So I chose to work with the morning crew, which were all adults, way more on my maturity level. And so I loved opening at Chick-fil-A, getting there, getting everything ready to roll early in the morning. That way I'd be done by like noon with my shift, and it was great. But the, I worked at Chick-fil-A for about a year, and most of my time was spent at the drive through window, which is not a fun job whatsoever. But I worked at the drive through window, and there was a lady that came through every single morning, like some of you probably do. She came through the drive through every single morning, Monday through Friday, and she ordered a large sweet tea, and that was it. She'd get to the window, she'd pay, we'd give her her sweet tea, and every single morning, she would buy the person's meal behind her. Didn't matter what it was, didn't matter how much it cost. There was one day that I was like, listen, like they've got like $60 worth of food. I'm pretty sure it's the Smiths that just came through the <laughs> drive-thru to get food for their whole family. I didn't know the Smiths then. But I was like, they just bought a ton of food. Are you sure? And she's like, I want to pay for it. She did it every single morning, no matter what the person got, no matter who it was. There was one time that we were very slow, and she waited for someone to order sitting at the window. It was unbelievable. The nicest person I've ever met. It was one day I was working at the drive through window. She came, got her sweet tea. By this point, like I knew her by name. I knew to go ahead, swipe her for the next person. I'd always ask that you want to pay for the person behind you. Yes. So we paid, paid for the person behind us. The fa my favorite part of the whole time was every time that the next person would pull up to the window. Then when I was able to tell them, hey, somebody bought your meal. It's so cool. They just wanted to bless you today. They wanted you to have a great day. So that person pulled up. I was excited. I told them, hey, your food's already been paid for. The person in front of you paid for it. And so then they're like, that's amazing. I'll pay for the person behind me. It's like, that's cool. All right, we got a second person. So I swiped it, paid, gave them the car, gave them the receipt back. The next person, third person came up. I said, hey, the person in front of you had their meal paid for, so they decided to pay for your meal. They just wanted to bless you today. They're like, that's amazing. I'll pay for the person behind me. I'm like, oh, it's on now. Now I don't even care about people being nice. I just want to see how long, not how long this can go, how long I can keep this going. And so the next person pulls up, and now I'm just a salesman. I'm like, hey, here's what you need to know. The person in front of you had their food paid for by the person in front of them who had their food paid for by the person in front of them. Would you like to pay for the person behind yours food? They said, sure. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. So the next person pulls up to the window. I do the same thing. Your food was paid for by the person in front of you, which was paid for by the person in front of you, which was paid for by the person in front of you, which was paid for by the lady with the sweet tea. Would you like to pay for the person behind you? Absolutely not. Give me my food. And I was like, you're the meanest human being in the world. My day is ruined because of you. Kindness. It's something that we all strive for. It's something that we all want to be able to say to ourselves that I'm a nice person. I'm a, I'm a kind man. I'm a kind woman. I open the door for strangers. I say good morning. I say hello. If someone makes eye contact with me walking, I do the little head nod like, how you doing? Right? We want to all be a nice person. But what does true, authentic kindness really look like? Outside of just saying hello when spoken to, outside of just opening a door, what does it actually look like 
to be authentically kind in our lives. And today, I hope that we can come to that answer together. As I've studied this, like I said, my wife is a really kind person. I don't know that I'm always the nicest person, if I can be honest for a second. And so as I've studied over the last several weeks and prayed about this topic, it's really been something that God's convicted me of. It's really been something that I've grown and I've learned a ton about myself and about God as I've studied this. And so I'm excited to share with you today of what I have studied. We're going to spend the rest of our day in Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bible, if you have your smartphone, if you want to follow along, I always encourage people to follow along so that you can highlight, you can take notes, so that you can have something later to look back upon and reflect upon what God's doing. But if you don't want to or you don't have something, you can totally follow along on the screen. But Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25, it says, One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Now, let me just pause here for a second. This has absolutely nothing to do with kindness, but as I was studying this, it really dawned on me that this is something that can help me. And men in the room, this is something that potentially can help you. Now, I may get in trouble for saying this with my wife or any woman in the room, but I learned something while I was studying this that has always bothered me. Have you ever had a conversation, husbands, and you ask your wife something, and rather than just stating the answer, because we all know that they already know the answer, rather than just stating a fact, they respond with a question. Does anybody's wife besides mine do that? Nobody's brave enough to say yes. That's totally fine. I don't blame you. But I've always just thought that they did it out of anger or they did it just because they can or they can be mean. But now I just have to apologize to you and to every woman in the room that now I realize that you're doing it just by following Jesus's example. Because Jesus here responds to a question with a question, right? And so all you're doing is just trying to be like Christ when you respond to a question with a question. So husbands, you can no longer get upset at your wife by not answering where she wants to eat with anything other than, well, where would you like to eat? All right, let me continue on before I get myself in trouble. The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? I don't know why, time and time again, when Jesus had stories that he told to people in the Bible, when he had these conversations, why did they always feel that they could come back and catch Jesus? Because we learn right here that Jesus was ready for this little sarcastic jab of asking, And who is my neighbor. Jesus replied with a story in verse 30. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. Then the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I am here. 
Now, which of these three would you say was the neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Now, imagine what's taking place here. Jesus is having this conversation with this religious official, this Jew, and he's telling him of this story where a man is beaten up. He's laying on the side of the road, hurt, injured, potentially heading towards death if he gets no help. And the first person that walks up is a priest. Sounds like a start to a terrible joke. But the priest walks up, and the priest sees this man, and rather than stopping, it says that the priest passes right by. Doesn't pay him any attention, doesn't stop to assist in any way. The priest just heads on by. Now, in this day and age, right, wrong, or indifferent, this is the person, the priest is, this is the person that the guy Jesus is telling the story to would have seen as the most like the highest level of religion, like closest to God, doing what's supposed to be done, follows the law, follows the rules to the book. And so if there was anybody that this guy would have expected to have done the right thing, it would have been the priest. It's who he would have looked up to. It's who he would have been following. It was the person that he viewed as having the best relationship with God in that time. Second person comes up, and here it says a temple assistant. In other translations, it may say a Levite. A Levite was someone who came from the line, from the lineage of Levi in the tribes of Israel. And so a Levite would have been someone who very literally would have assisted in the temple. And so he would have been there to help the priest in any way that the priest would have needed help in the day in, day, day in and day out jobs that have to take place at the temple. And so if there's anyone that is qualified to assist this person, it would have been the person whose job was temple assistant. And it says that he paused for a moment. But then he walked on by. He didn't help him, and he left him there. If he would have been traveling with a priest, a priest could have told him, hey, I need you to stop and help this person. And it would have been his job to have done what the priest had told him. And then there's the third person, the Samaritan. The Samaritan, he walks up, assesses the situation, realizes that this person needs help, gets down in the mess with him, how can I help you? What do you need? Helps him up, puts him on his own donkey, takes him, gets him to an inn, takes care of the guy overnight, pays the innkeeper to make sure that he, gets what, he has whatever he needs. And if he has to pay more, he'll come back and he'll pay more later. And then Jesus has a really, really tough question. Which one of the, these should you be like? Which one of these shows true, authentic kindness. And the guy obviously responds, the Samaritan. Today, I want to talk to us about this idea of authentic kindness and really the idea of being like the Samaritan. You know, in our culture, in our society now, 2,000-ish years later after this happened, we hear the term Samaritan or we hear the term good Samaritan, and it's all full of positivity. I did a quick Google search, and in the state of Georgia, I found just very quickly more than 15 either hospitals, doctors, offices, or health clinics that have the phrase Samaritan or Good Samaritan in it. We've totally associated this with positivity and a good thing. 2,000 years ago, that wasn't the case. 2,000 years ago, the Samaritans were despised. It's almost not quite as extreme, but it's almost like today we view the cross as positive. We view the cross as grace and as love and as mercy and a sacrifice on our behalf. But 2,000 years ago, that wasn't the case. 
2,000 years ago in the time that Jesus was on this earth, the cross was viewed as evil, as murder, as torture, as a terrible way of dying. Fear. Today we view it as hope. Same with the Samaritans. 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people hated the Samaritans, despised them, looked down upon them, thought they were nothing and worthless. Yet this is who the brilliant storyteller of Jesus uses to describe how we should treat people. Today, I want to look at three choices we have when we encounter someone in need. The first is that we can cross the road. So if we look back on our story, the first person that came was the priest. And I love, again, Jesus and his storytelling, the descriptive words he uses when he talks about the idea that if the guy was laying here, the priest didn't just walk by. Jesus said he went to the other side of the road to completely avoid him at all costs to stay as far away from this situation as humanly possible by getting right on the very edge of the other side of the road and not even look at him. In our lives sometimes, when we have an opportunity to show kindness, and I mean deeper than just saying hello to someone, but really helping someone, being there with or for someone, I think sometimes it's really, really, really easy for us to look in this direction and walk as far away from it as we can. To not look at it, to avoid it, to not have to think about it. It's not my problem. I didn't get close enough for us to have to do the little head nod. The hello, the greeting. I was able to stay as far away as possible. The second thing that we can do when we encounter someone in need is that we can stop and look. The temple assistant, this Levite, says they came over to him, looked at him. Maybe they spoke. Jesus didn't say. And it says he went around him. And here's, I don't know about you, here in my life, as I studied this, and I thought about this idea of stopping and looking when I have an opportunity to be kind to someone, and I thought of really two scenarios that could have played out here on this road. And I don't know that they did because Jesus didn't say that this is the way this went. But just go with me for a second. That this is how this potentially could have played out. The guy sitting here. Option number one, as the Levite was walking this way, maybe, just maybe, someone was walking in the other direction. And maybe he felt the obligation to stand here long enough to give the appearance that he was helping him to the person that then waited until he rounded the corner and then he could walk off. Like, I'm going to stand here long enough so that everyone around me can see that I'm helping. And then as soon as they're out of sight, I'm not going to really help. I'm guilty of doing that sometimes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make everybody think that I'm right here in the mess with this person. When in reality, as soon as they walk out the door, as soon as they round to the corner... The Levite was like, I'm not really going to help. Option number one. Second option. He walks up. He sees this man injured, hurt. And the Levite's standing there. And I'm not saying that this is a bad thing to say because we absolutely should say it to people. And we absolutely should do it for people. But sometimes, church, I believe that people need more than this, just this phrase. Are you ready? Maybe he walked up to him. He saw that he had real needs. But rather than helping these needs... What if instead of helping, he just said, I'll pray for you. 
and he walked off. Now, again, I'm not saying prayer is bad. Prayer is awesome. You should be praying for people. You should have people praying for you in your life. You should tell people you're praying for them, but then you should follow up and actually pray for them. I think sometimes, if you get upset with me, that's okay. I think sometimes it's really easy for us as Christians to say the phrase, I'll pray for you, as a cop-out for actually having to do anything. I'll pray for you, and you get to walk away, and you get to say, good job, I did my Christian duty. But what if God has called us to more? I'm not saying don't pray for him. Pray for him. But can't you pray for him while you're helping him? Can't you get down in the mess with them and say, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here with you. How can I help? But I'm also praying for you. Again, I don't know that that's how it went on that road that day. But what if it did? What if it did? The third option that we have is we can get dirty. The Samaritan, he walked up, he saw this man in need, and he got right down there in the dirt with him. How can I help you? What do you need? He took some of his olive oil and he poured it on him to clean his wounds. He took the man in his arms and put him on his own donkey, and he walked while this man rode. And he took him to an inn, and he used his money to pay this innkeeper to make sure that this guy had whatever he needed. Maybe he had a little bit of blood on his clothes. It was probably a little inconvenient for him to go out of his way and take care of this night. If he was traveling on this road, he probably had somewhere he needed to be. But in that moment, he had three options. He could cross the road, completely avoid it. He could stop and look. We could get down and dirty. And true, authentic kindness is being willing to get into the mess of people's lives sometimes. Right down into the thick of it. Now, there's three questions that I would love for us today to contemplate in our lives. And the first of those questions is, do I go out of my way to avoid helping other people? When you look at your life, when you evaluate your heart, and you look at that question and you read that to yourself, you personally, you don't have to tell anybody, when you really look at yourself and you think of, am I a kind person, outside of just saying hello when spoken to, do I avoid truly helping people? When I read this, do I go out of my way to avoid helping someone? What's your answer? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you going to be like the priest who sees a problem? And maybe you can be a solution, maybe you can't. Or are you going to just walk in the other direction? The second question is, do I slow down long enough to get recognition for helping? When you evaluate your heart, when you look on the inside, when you think, when you say, God, like, who am I? Do you love getting the recognition for helping someone? Like, is that why you do it? You do it so that you can pat yourself on the back. Great job. 
I was right there with them. I was, I was there. People saw me. What a great job. I told them I'd pray. I'm probably going to forget, let's be honest, but I told them I'd pray. Right? You stop long enough to get the recognition. The third question for today is, am I willing to get down in the mess of people's lives? Again, you look at yourself and you evaluate your heart. If you want to truly be an authentically kind person, are you willing to do whatever it takes to help? Are you willing to tell somebody, I'm right here. My clothes are dirty. I'm in this with you. I'm not leaving you. It's going to be okay. Let's pray together. How can I help? Truly authentic kindness. Being willing to get into the mess of people's lives. You know, every time we talk about this story, we always refer to the Samaritan as the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan, you know, you hear that, you see that on signs, you see that in places, you hear that phrase, good Samaritan. And and I think sometimes we like to add that word good in front of Samaritan so that we can almost elevate this person to a place that we can't reach, right? Like we think about like Mother Teresa. I'm, none of us can be as good as Mother Teresa, right? We've elevated this lady to this level that I can't feel like I can't be. And so it allows me the justification of not having to strive to be as good as Mother Teresa. So we have the Samaritan, and we add the phrase good in front of Samaritan to elevate this person to a place of, I'm never going to be as good as this person. This is the good Samaritan. I can't be as good as the good Samaritan. But did you notice the word that Jesus used to describe the Samaritan? In verse 33, they'll throw that back up on the screen. It says, then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Despised. Jesus didn't use the word good. He used the word despised. If good's up here, he didn't even use like the normal person right here, Samaritan. He went a ladder rung lower and said the despised Samaritan. And here's why I think that's important. If there was anybody that had the ability to walk by and no one would have thought different about it. If there was anybody out there that could have not helped this person and everybody would have thought that's normal because he's hated. Why would he help someone that inside hates him? I get that. I understand him not helping. But Jesus wanted us to all be able to see that the person out of all three of those choices to help that had every reason to not help, that's who you need to be like. That's who God has called me to be like. When Jesus asked the question at the end, now which one of these should you go and be like? Which one of these shows love to his neighbor? It's the Samaritan. It's the one that's hated. It's the one who had no reason to get down in the dirt because the guy in the dirt probably despised him. That's who I need to go and be like. Authentic kindness, really being kind, 
the situation where if anyone's going to do something, you have the most out, that's the situation that you should say, I'm going to step up and do something. That's what it's about. This man, of all three choices, had the easiest way of saying, I'm not doing it. Yet he's the one that was down in the dirt. He wasn't the good Samaritan. He wasn't just the average Joe Samaritan. He was the despised Samaritan. And Jesus is calling every one of us to go and be the despised Samaritan. Doesn't sound that fun, does it? Doesn't sound glamorous. Doesn't sound like it's going to get me a ton of good publicity. Lots of great followers on Instagram. But God's calling us to live out this idea of kindness. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, it's not fruits, it's all one fruit. And so with this idea of it being the fruit of the Spirit, if I'm going to be kind, that means I'm also going to be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. In order to have love, I must be kind. In order to have joy, I must have peace. In order to have kindness, I must have... You get to understand what I'm saying. With every head bowed and every eye closed, how many of you today would say, you know, Pastor Trevor, like, I love this idea of kindness, but before I can ever go and be the, the person that I need to be in kindness, I must first acknowledge the fact that I need a relationship with Jesus. Today, maybe you're in the room and you would say, today I want to enter into that relationship. I want to make God the Lord and Savior of my life so that I can then go out and live out kindness to the people in my life. Today, if that's you, I'd just love for you to lift your hand really quick. You can put it right back down. Secondly, maybe you're in this room and something I've said today through the Holy Spirit speaking through me it's laying on your heart, and you would say, today, I just want to be a more kind person. Like, I want to go, and I want to live out with everything that's in me. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to always be amazing at this, but today, I want to go, and I want to try to live out more of an authentic kindness life. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand. Lots of hands. Put it right back down. God, I thank you so much for the people that are in this room. God, I thank you that you have brought them here for a reason, for a purpose today. God, I pray that you would allow each and every one of us to be more of an authentic, kind person. Help us to live out kindness in everything that we do and everywhere that we go. Help us to show love. Help us to show joy. Help us to show peace and patience and kindness. God, help us to be authentically kind. Help us to be the despised Samaritan in our lives to the people that you have put into our lives. God, we love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com.